Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Kelly, a lawyer-turned-bureaucrat who, during her legal career, worked on tasks as diverse as prosecuting serious fraud cases in Fiji to fighting corruption in the New South Wales building industry. She currently serves as the Deputy Secretary at the Department of Industry, Innovation and Science, where she is responsible for innovation, digital strategy and industry support programs. And I'm certainly going to talk to her about that in the context of COVID-19. But during a long and distinguished career of public service, Elizabeth has served as a Director of Policy in both the ACT and Northern Territory Governments and as a Deputy Secretary in the Attorney-General's Department and in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, where she was responsible for machinery of government, cabinet, legal policy and governance issues across the public service, as well as the coordination of support to the Prime Minister. She joins me from her home in Canberra on Zoom. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome to Work With Purpose. Thank you, David. Nice to be here. How are you adjusting to working from home? I'm adjusting okay. It is very quiet, but it does allow you that time to reflect that sometimes in a, a busy day with, you know, um, you know, back-to-back meetings from uh, from 8 till 6, you don't um, always get the time to stand back and reflect. So I think I'm appreciating that part of it. I am missing the human interaction though. And so I have to do things like um, I have to, I, I try to make phone calls rather than email um, for um, at least, um, uh, you know, a significant part of the day um, so that I can maintain that human interaction because I think it's too early to fall into the trap of just shooting off spraying emails all around and, and, and thinking that that's um, effective. Mm. So just in terms of that uh, interruption sort of culture, because I've noticed it in the same uh, at, at my workplace as well, that there are far fewer distractions. Are there parts of, of how you are perhaps thinking about how you will continue to work now that this has been forced upon you and you'll try to cut down that distraction and level of interruption? Look, I think it would be nice to be able to um, uh, retain a bit of that um, discipline of, of standing back. And, and so I have been thinking about in future, I think I actually might try to work from home at least one day a week um, to just try to preserve that that um, in, in some way, because uh, I do think there's something of value there. Mm, for sure. So in terms of that, uh, and that's interesting to, to note that, in fact, that, you know, at at a very senior level, you are considering that. But do you think these changes will continue across um, the wider APS workforce? I think that we will all, I mean, I think that that what we're looking, what we will return to is the next normal. Uh, and uh, I think mm. that we will all change the way that we work. I think we've all been incredibly surprised at how effectively we can work remotely. Uh, and I, I, I'm I, absolutely happy to admit that I didn't think that it would work as well as it has. Uh, and, you know, I think that's been a lesson, that we don't need to have as much face-to-face contact and as many face-to-face meetings um, as we perhaps might have thought that we did. What were those concerns that, that you had? Um, I, I, I've always been concerned about the technology and our, and our technology, we've been incredibly fortunate that we made some big investments in IT in our department last year that set us up really well for remote working. Um, so we're all, we're all um, invested in flexible work. We've all got laptops. Um, we've made some big investments in our IT infrastructure. 
So the technology actually has worked. Um, and sometimes um, we work on a lot of business systems because I'm also responsible for service delivery for support to business. Uh, and so some of those business systems, I was always worried about whether or not they would be able to function effectively remotely, but they've stood up relatively well. Uh, and again, you tend to think that you rely on human interaction and you do, but perhaps not as much as we thought that we did. Mm. Okay, so listen, to the, the the response to COVID-19, there are a number of task forces being set up across different departments, and I believe that you have a leadership role in the COVID-19 task force inside your department, if that is in fact the case. What, what role are you playing and what is the task force doing? So my role, um, and so I'm not, I'm doing quite a different job to what I was doing uh, a month ago. So my role is to lead, um, in fact, four task forces um, that relate to um, supporting the Department of Health, Health to make sure that we have enough personal protective equipment and medical devices uh, to support us through the immediate response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So what um, happened at um, the beginning of the pandemic, uh, probably, you know, more than six weeks ago now, uh, the Department of Health and, you know, the Department of Health has, is just doing the most extraordinary job. And so we looked as government about what are the areas where we could support them. And one of the areas that we could um, support them in was to help them in um, maintaining the national medical stockpile and ensuring that it had everything in it that we needed in order to meet the pandemic. So the Department of Industry took on that role of, um, of maintaining the national medical stockpile. So the Department of Health told us what they needed uh, and then um, uh, we created, and I've got four four division heads um, leading four different um, different areas of personal protective equipment um, uh, and we went out and scoured the world to source um, additional equipment where it was required and, and also looked at domestic manufacturer and where, whether there was domestic manufacturer in some of those areas. So the things that we worked on was initially um, face masks uh, and uh, we sourced a, a vast amount, a, a number of face masks um, internationally and we also supported um, a small domestic manufacturer to significantly upscale. Um, it received um, a reasonable amount of press. It was a, a company in Shepparton. Um, and, mm, uh, yeah, I, I saw that story. Yeah, so we supported them to uh, acquire some additional equipment. And when we, I say supported, we helped them to source it. We helped them to freight it. We dealt with all of the diplomatic issues in relation to um, um, getting access to freight in some of those more difficult um, environments. Um, and we even provided the army support um, to engineering support to get the, the new machines up and operating. So we've um, uh, we've also uh, supported another company uh, that the South Australian government uh, um, uh, located and and was working with, um, and have made um, sufficient uh, significant orders from that South Australian company um, as well. So um, we've done that in the area of face masks. We've also sourced um, uh, gowns, gloves, goggles. Uh, we've done a lot of work on ventilators uh, and, first of all, sourcing supply and then actually developing with our local company, uh, uh, developing a company that's going to produce ventilators um, according to a specification that, um, that we've developed with clinicians. Uh, and that company um, called Grey Innovation is actually going to be producing ventilators um, very soon um, for our needs. Uh, and then we also have worked on um, test kits uh, so uh, for COVID-19 um, and particularly locating um, quantities of swabs that are used for the testing process and also working with a couple of um, Australian firms to develop a local testing capacity um, within Australia. 
So mm. um, real investigators, you know, we've, um, we've got a network of, um, of business advisors and a regional network and, and they're experts in particular industry sectors. So we just really set them to the, the task of identifying um, uh, who were the local manufacturers and the local importers. Uh, and we also worked with all of the growth centres, um, particularly the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre. Uh, uh, and, um, and really, um, it, was a, it was almost a, like a detective novel, finding the right companies to work <laughs> with, um, tracking them down, and then um, standing alongside them to make sure they got the inputs to help them to get TGA approval um, and help them to get production underway. That's um, that's a remarkable sort of well, not only logistical but planning, um, as you say, investigative, invested, investigative um, uh, research into you know who can potentially help. What were some of the the the, the challenges? Because it, that sounds pretty good. It sounds it moved very well and it was quite efficient and effective and, and that you were able to move different parts of the system, like your business advisors and your growth centres, to apply them to be doing different tasks than the, the normal day-to-day tasks that they would be doing. Yeah, and I think that's what you always find with the public service in a crisis uh, is that everyone um, everyone drops what they're doing um, and they use their expertise and experience and they apply it in a completely new context. Uh, and so, you know, utilising our business advisors um, who are working with companies every day and so our, our um, biotech um, business advisors uh, know the landscape very well. Um, we've also got a, a growth centre in that area as well who knows the landscape. So combining that knowledge um, was really powerful and then, you know, the task forces is really, they're populated by um, lots of policy wonks who kind of know about industry policy but didn't necessarily know that much about um, ultrasonic welders and um, how to get them operating in order to fuse um, surgical-grade face masks. So um, let alone um, RNA extraction that's necessary um, for, for COVID-19 testing. Um, so a whole lot of people uh, learned a whole lot of new knowledge incredibly quickly, um, enough that we could identify and work with and support um, companies um, to, to meet those needs of the stockpile. So you've really then been right at, at the centre, at the heart of that logistical support to the Department of Health. Uh, have you got any stories, um, specific stories perhaps, or moments of inspiration where you've looked back and you've thought, wow, you know, the APS you know, when it does put its mind to it and it does react, it, 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 it can be flexible, it can be agile and it can move very, very fast. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, every day um, it was like that. And I think using the army um, in, um, in a manufacturing company um, in um, rural Victoria uh, was pretty creative. Um, and that was, um, that was really an idea. We did um, find... Um, we brought on some some support, a person who had some expertise and background in the army, and uh, who was working with us in those early days. And we found this company, and um, and we were just thinking of how we could scale it up quickly, because um, it was a, a it's a great Australian company, but we needed to scale it up quickly. Uh, and uh, and so uh, because of this person's particular background, they said, "Oh, I know some people um, in the army who'd be able to to fill that gap." Uh, and so we explored that. We've not done that before um, in the Department of Industry, and um, but that's just a, an example of how in a, in a situation where there's a really urgent need, um, you just think of every option, uh, and uh, and so that was that was a really creative solution. 
the army have now moved out and that company has now taken on local staff, additional local staff, and um, is running um, on its own. But it was a fantastic solution um, to get them going really quickly. Now, I know, you know, the response has been very successful uh, and obviously the APS deserves great credit for the way that it's uh, played its role in in the success of the response. But at this early stage, can you see um, changes in the way that you've been operating in your business that, that you will then take on in terms of some of these relationships that you've been able to establish through this crisis? Look, I think it's been um, I think it's been a great example of how all of the different APS agencies can work together, uh, and how we can have really respectful and productive relationships and really complement one another. Uh, so I think the Department of Health were really surprised at what we were able to produce um, in a relatively short period of time, because uh, they have been managing the stockpile, um, uh, you know, on their own for a very long time. So I think it actually did unearth that there is a, there are relevant bodies of expertise all around the APS, uh, and to get the best result um, overall, we need to actually draw on those and find creative ways to draw on them. So, yeah, mm. I, I think it really has um, been a powerful demonstration of how when we work together, we're certainly greater than the sum of our constituent parts. And certainly that ability to, to move quickly, I think that's the, the constant theme that's coming to me is that, you know, the velocity of the decision-making inside the APS has been, you know, something to behold that, you know, there's, there is the crisis, it has to be responded to, but the organisation, which is a very, you know, vast organisation, has been able to respond quickly. Do you think that that speed will be retained in, in the future? Well, look, I hope so, but um, process is really important uh, and so um, it is really important. It allows us to meet our accountability. So I never want to suggest um, that following the right process isn't important. In a crisis, there are um, we do get some allowances um, from that and so there were certainly some allowances in relation to procurement um, uh, that, that were um, formally made um, in, in relation to, to um, meeting the, the pandemic challenges. Um, but, you know, Sometimes in ordinary course of business, um, other processes are appropriate and so it's the right thing to follow those. Uh, but when we need to, we certainly can move incredibly quickly uh, and, um, and we will always have that capacity. Now, in your, your day job that, that you had prior to, to the pandemic, you had responsibility for those critically important areas of the economy, um, innovation, digital strategy, industry support programs. Have you have you had time yet to start to think about going back to your day job and how that's how you're going to play a role in, in restoring the health of the economy? Because that's obviously going to be, you know, as soon as the, the health crisis is passed, it's going to be the economic crisis and you're going to be right in the middle of that as well. Yeah, so um, as a department, we tried to get a little ahead of that. And so uh, so whilst I'm working on um, the immediate response, and so my time frame um, is until 31 July, so what we need until 31 July, um, but there is another area of department under one of my colleagues, Mike Lawson, who's been looking at recovery, and they've been looking at recovery um, for some weeks now uh, so that they can um, start to anticipate those issues as um as the work the immediate needs work winds down, then I'll move back into that recovery work. 
and there are certainly a lot of opportunities for Australia um, in the recovery uh, of um, the global economy and, uh, and we're keen to help Australia maximise those areas where it does have advantage. And, and where might those uh, specifically be? Where, where do you think um, those opportunities lie and how quickly um, are business people going to have to respond to take those opportunities? Look, one of the areas is um, uh, one of the areas is agriculture. Certainly, uh, one of we perhaps don't realise it so much in Australia, um, but um, globally and particularly in Asia, food security is a really significant issue, um, and particularly in the context of, of the pandemic. Uh, so, um, a lot of countries in the world are looking very much um, to how they can assure their, their future food, food supplies. Australia is not only a great um, and efficient agricultural producer, but it's also a world leader in agricultural technology for efficient um, agriculture, uh, um, for efficient use of fertiliser, efficient use of water, agriculture, hydroponics, uh, a whole area, a whole range of areas, um, the use of blockchain for um, table to um, plate um, integrity of of food chains. they're all areas where Australia has enormous, um, uh, enormous um, advantage globally in our technology, and and there are a lot of countries in the world that are really interested um, in that technology, particularly at the moment. So, mm. Same applies for mining. We've been able to um, our, our mining technology is absolutely world leading, and our mining sector has been able to continue to operate um, throughout uh, the pandemic. So that's something that that's uh, of interest globally. Uh, clean energy, biotechnology, 3D printing of medical devices, um, desalination technology, they're all areas where Australia has technological advantage and we should be looking at pursuing those opportunities as as, um, as the global economy recovers. Do you have any in particular insight as to how the market is going to change? Are, are countries going to be turning in more and thinking about their national economy more so than the global opportunities or do, do you think that that will pass very quickly and the global trade system will get up and moving um, quite quickly? Look, I think that that there's not going to be one um, response. Some countries will obviously do that. Um, other countries, um, if you look at a country like Singapore who recognises that um, they can't domestically manufacture um, everything that they need, uh, uh, they certainly can't supply all the food that, that, that they need for their population. So what they they they've looked at for some time, and now they'll, they'll do more of in future, is diversifying their supply chains, um, so that they aren't reliant on any one country um, for particular components of, of a supply chain. So there are those um, directions as well. We'll probably do a bit of both um, um, in Australia, uh, and um, and certainly and try to make make sure that we're maximising those opportunities of where we're placed in the region um, in Asia, which will be uh, a, a great engine of growth in the recovery. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're, we make the most of those opportunities. Mm. Fantastic. Well, listen, we are taking questions from IPA's Future Leader Committee, and I do have one here from Steph McLennan at Geoscience Australia for you, Elizabeth, and it says, we've seen a very fast ramp up of task forces and work in the government's response to COVID-19. As a senior leader, how are you transitioning from that responsive crisis phase to a more sustained effort? And what is your thought process for transitioning your teams to that sustained effort? We've thought about this actually a a great deal because the early weeks were quite frenetic. Uh, And so 
that was something that um that was necessary uh, and um and 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 everyone was was thrilled and, and happy to do it um, but it wasn't a sustainable way of working so after the first few weeks um, uh, of what really was um, quite extraordinary levels of activity uh, we then um, made sure that we were adequately resourced uh, uh, and we also restructured the department to make sure that we had moved resources and leadership to where the work was um, and where and we actually made conscious decisions not to actively pursue whole areas of work within the department because our focus was COVID-19. Uh, so we review that very regularly. So we will begin over the next few weeks to transition resources out of that immediate response area into that longer-term recovery area and we will move um, SES and leadership and, and um, other resources uh, into the recovery areas and we'll keep that continually under review. Uh, because we do, this is not a sprint, and I think the Prime Minister says that repeatedly, this is not a sprint. Uh, so we need to find ways to work sustainably. Uh, and, um, and part of that is understanding that resources have to move to where the priority is, and we have to get a bit ahead of that um, so that we don't have people, um, you know, falling over uh, from working um, really ridiculously long hours and under great pressure mm. as they were at the very beginning. Just in terms of that focus, do you do you think that this crisis has sort of in some ways, you know, provided the lens or created a lens which has enabled you to and your colleagues to look at some of the work and think maybe actually why are we doing that? Maybe we shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. Is, has there been any of that sort of reflection take place? Look, I think that there's not an area of work that we've come across that we said we don't need to do it anymore there are areas of work where we've said right now we can't do that uh, and so we've got to make we've got to make really you know clear decisions about priorities and right now we can't do that or that can wait we can put that aside for six months um, uh, and um, and come back to it um, uh, at that time so uh, and mm. you know I think that's a really important um, important discipline to bring. Uh, is it would have been really foolish for us to try to keep everything going uh, when um, we'd taken on these significant new responsibilities and when really the country needed us to be focusing on COVID-19 and, and uh, the response and, and recovery from it. Okay, the next question, um, similar type of question uh, from the uh, IPA's Future Leader Committee, and this is uh, from Rebecca Lee McDougall at the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, and she asks, a lot of work at the moment is aimed at preventing the spread of COVID-19, but I'm wondering what work is being done to prepare us for life after COVID-19? And perhaps you have already answered that question uh, in, in a way, Elizabeth, but if there's some sort of insights about that future planning, and I know in your department you mentioned Mike Lawson, but perhaps uh, you might be able to reflect on other areas of the APS where that future view is, uh, is taking place. Yeah, no, well, I certainly think um, uh, our focus will be the recovery of the economy and, and our contribution to the recovery of the economy but in relation to the APS, it'll be a question of, um, uh, I think it will be a question of how we work in future, our use of technology, our use of, of remote working um, uh, is going to be something that, that could, could actually significantly change the way that we work going forward. So I don't think, we, we certainly don't think in our department that things will go back to the way that they were. Um, so... It won't be um, a new normal, it'll be the next normal, as they say. Uh, and that will mean um, that we do things differently. 
Mm. And how are you, by the way? Um, I should ask because that's a fairly big job that you've had. You've, you're holding up okay? Oh, look, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you, actually. The work was really done by others. Uh, and so uh, there's uh, lots of people who, um, who've made a huge contribution. And, you know, really our, depart- our colleagues at the Department of Health have borne um, really a huge weight uh, and they have, um, have worked extraordinarily hard um, to make sure that Australia is so well placed. So it's been absolutely fantastic to be able to provide even some small support to them. And how do you feel then, as someone who's been involved in this and looking around the world at, at other other countries, how do you feel that, that the APS has played its role to, to deliver the response? Look, I'm incredibly proud of, of what we've achieved. I, I, I say that cautiously, touching wood, because I also think that, that, you know, this is a much more complicated um, uh, thing to, and, and it's certainly not in a position to declare victory. But I'm really proud of, of what we've done so far, um, really proud of the response right across government, uh, um, every agency that's been involved. Uh, I think that we've worked well together. We've delivered a really good result for the Australian community. We've got to keep going. There's still plenty more to do and it's it's certainly not over. Um, but I'm really incredibly proud of what we've done so far and, and, and I do really feel like we have made a difference. Mm. Do you feel like there's that sense of control at the moment, though, that, you know, the major part of that crisis, that front end is gone and really the the organisation of the APS is is being quite robust and being able to respond and as we go into the next phase that it's still got plenty in the tank to be able to manage the difficulties ahead? Look, I think it's really important not to, um, not to in any sense think that we've got this thing under uh, under control. Uh, and so I've just uh, today been um, participating in a roundtable on scenario planning and one of the scenarios that governments around the world are thinking about is um, a scenario where we are in a very knee-jerk attempt to come out of the of the, the pandemic, then um, cases surge again, then, um, then we clamp down again, then we come out again. That's possibly the worst-case scenario for the economy mm, um, yeah. uh, and it, it will mean that our, our recovery will be delayed even more than if we were to stay um, with control measures in place for a longer period of time. So... I think that that it's not at all short certain what um ha- that what our future is ahead of us and the future of many countries around the world. So um uh, not in a position to declare victory, uh, but we're certainly thinking really carefully, and we're in a, a better place than than so many other countries. And certainly, you must feel it, you know that your career choice, uh, rather than pursuing that that career in in law, um, that jumping across into government. Uh, was a good choice at this time because it sounds like you've you you know you've been inspired by the work you know that you've had the opportunity to do. Absolutely, yeah. No, no, I never never looked back. Um, so uh, I've always been really happy um, to be part of government and, and and part of serving the community. So there you go, Elizabeth Kelly, the Deputy Secretary at the Department of Industry, Innovation and Science, and the person who is in charge of Australia's medical stockpile four task forces to deliver that. Interesting. Um, Who knew? Again, though, isn't it great to see the agility, people stepping into new roles, um, being curious and and delivering? You know, I love that story of how, you know, the business advisors connected to the growth centres, connected to the department, was able to 
you know, sort through those supply chain issues and then to bring in the defence force there to deliver uh, at the back end of the, the project with the industry partner. So, you know, a great example of, of teamwork. Um, next time, when we get Elizabeth on the program, I do want to ask her about prosecuting serious fraud cases in Fiji. I'm sure that she's got a million stories about that. And indeed, what, what is life like when you're a bureaucrat for the Northern Territory Government? But we'll catch up with that next time. So one of the things that's really interesting about this COVID-19 response is this large movement of people across the APS from department to department. So well, next week on Work With Purpose, we speak with Catherine Campbell. Services Australia, as you will remember, were absolutely swamped with calls, you know, massive numbers like 400, 500% increase in daily business, thousands of staff from across the APS being sent into call centres, huge amounts of technology being applied uh, to really solve that problem. And certainly they did seem to be able to get on top of it. So it's a great story. And I'm certainly looking forward to talking to Catherine Campbell about that next week on Work With Purpose. But for the moment, thank you so much to Elizabeth Kelly for her time. Thanks to you, the audience, for coming back once again. And we will be back at the same time with Work With Purpose next week. Bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. 